recorded live. Church, 
Kinston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome you all once again to another edition of Teaching the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's people all over the world. This is, in fact, the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Give God the praise that he deserves. A lot of things change in life. We change jobs. We change clothes. We change houses. We change all sorts of things. But one thing that does not change is that our God is good. God is so good to me. Yeah. or not, didn't say right and fitting for the perfect to praise him, even though they understand it. But the Bible says it's right and fitting for the righteous to praise him. You ever wonder whether or not you're righteous or not? Check your praise. Do you feel compelled to give it up to your creator, or do you feel like, you know, God don't need to be praised? Well, my God got to be praised all the time. Which, which of those attitudes best describes yours? Because that will let you know whether or not you are righteous or wicked, because it is right and fitting. It's right, it's right, and it's fitting. Some things just, just fit very well. You know that, that pair of shoes in your closet that just fits very, very well, or that, that suit that you put on. I got certain suits that when I put them on, I know that this, this is just right. It just fits right. Well, the Bible says it's right and fitting for the righteous to praise God. For those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know we are working on our most recent topic entitled Dangerous Sheep. That's right. I said dangerous sheep. I didn't just say a uh, little sheep that's getting ready for the, to get on the chopping block. I'm talking about some sheep that can do something to you. No, no, big horn sheep are the sheep that God had us to, to examine. These sheep can get up to 300 pounds in weight, muscles everywhere. They, the wingspan or the span of their horns can be up to 33 inches across, and those horns can weigh up to 30 pounds. When they butt heads with each other, they are generating enough force to crack the human skull 60 times over. 
They are generating up to 800 pounds of force. One, one study suggested that they are hitting with the same amount of force when these bighorn sheep butt heads as two cars traveling at 50 miles an hour. These sheep can do something to you, dangerous sheep. I encourage you under the sound of my voice as you become stronger in the Lord and in his mighty power. You're not just a sheep anymore. You become a dangerous sheep. We looked at capital A in our outline. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. Now, if you want to be a dangerous sheep, you have to know your shepherd's voice. Now, if you don't know God's voice, you don't know the word of God, you won't study you won't get into the word. You're not a dangerous sheep. I, I told you, you are an endangered sheep. You're you in danger, not dangerous. We want to be dangerous sheep and not endangered sheep. Look at John chapter 10, verse 4, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It brings us on down to capital B in our outline. We want to talk a little bit today about sheep with armor. Sheep with armor. Now, we're talking about still dangerous sheep. You mess around and get a sheep with some armor, and, and, and most things with armor become even more dangerous. Most things with armor become even more dangerous. Why? Because they can do stuff to you, and then, you know, you can't hardly do anything to them because of their armor. I want to encourage you today, put on the whole armor of God. We're going to look at Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. From the New International Version, our scripture reads, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's Schemes. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 from the New International Version, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Capital B in our outline, sheep with armor. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. We give you thanks today, Father, because you are God and beside you there is none other. Father, we realize and we recognize your sovereignty. We realize and recognize that you alone are God and beside you there is none other. We realize and recognize today that you are worthy of the glory, the honor, and the praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, may the name of the Lord be praised. We realize today, Father, and we recognize that you are our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our healer, our deliverer. It was you that gave us strength to be able to get up out of our beds. It was you, Father, that gives us strength to work on jobs, to, to make money that we may use it for the upkeep of, of things. Father, you have done so many great and wonderful things for us, Father, that we must praise you. We are compelled to praise you. We are compelled to search your, your scriptures, which are really searching out your character and searching out your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, as we study today to show ourselves approved unto you, help us, Father, to be workmen and workwomen who rightly divide the word of truth. Give us rhema word, Father, from your Logos word. We pray. We want to hear. We want to hear. In a generation, Father, where so many do not want to hear from you, we pray today that, that, that we will hear from you and not just hear from you, but that we will put your words into practice, that we may uh, develop the fruit of the Spirit, which is the essence of your character and the essence of your being. We trust, Father, that as we are asking for these things, touching and agreeing in the Spirit, asking in the name of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that you are going to do these things for us in his most holy name. These and all other blessings we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say amen. Amen and amen. Dangerous sheep, capital B, sheep with armor. Sheep with armor. As we look at 
Ephesians chapter 6. This is always a very special chapter to me uh, because God gave me very powerful revelation maybe about 15, 16 years ago in regards to whose responsibility it is to raise children. You know, I had been under the mistaken belief for years that it was primarily women's responsibility to raise children like it just about everywhere you see. You always see the mamas with the babies, the mamas with the children. And God flipped the script on me, children of God, and took me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 4. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children or do not act unreasonably or, or be too harsh with them. However, you Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. When listen to me, children, the fathers. God said, I'm talking to fathers. I'm not. I'm not. This is not written to mamas. God said, not that I don't have a part for mamas to play, but God said, I'm talking to fathers. And when God began to open this scripture up to me and began to reveal to me that this is why we got a whole lot of problems in this generation we live in, fathers that won't step up and take their God ordained role the primary role in the raising of the children and the training and instruction of the Lord, leaving it to the mamas who were not commissioned by God. To be, and God began to open that thing up. I'm not going to go too deep because some of y'all are not ready for that. I was like, my God, my God. Fathers, God said, I'm talking, I know, is that God said, I know the difference between fathers and mothers. God said, I didn't say mothers. I said fathers. Now, some of you ladies out there saying, well, apostle, you know, these men nowadays, a lot of them won't, won't, won't step up and, and do what God say do? You're exactly right about that. So, so, so a lot of the mothers have felt like they have had to step in and do because a lot of the men would not do. But this is one of the core reasons why, especially as, as African-Americans, we got a lot of problems in our race. We got a lot of problems among our people. Mothers doing what fathers have been, and mothers trying to do what fathers have been instructed by God to do. It's father's responsibility to bring up children in the training and instruction of the law. Now, here's the thing out there, fathers, because a lot of you haven't done it. You know, most of the men, when I think back in my life, most of the men that were in my life, they didn't do it. I can think back to very few men in my life that actually did this for me. And this is, and, and, and it should be where most of the men, when we think back in our life, this is what most of the men in our lives should have been doing. Some of you ladies out there, you think back to the men in your life, whether it was fathers, whether it was uncles, whether it was cousins, a lot of them were molesting on y'all, a lot of them out there trying to do all kinds of different things. When what fathers are supposed to be doing is bringing up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this, because this has not been done, this is why we got a whole lot of craziness going on in the world today. Wise man told me as a young Christian, I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but he said, you know, most of your problems in humanity, they be traced back to man, weak men. Go back to Adam in the garden. Had Adam done what he was supposed to do, we wouldn't even have sin in the world. If men did what they were supposed to do, just this scripture, I'm not even going into a whole lot of other scriptures and a whole lot of other. If men, I'm talking to men now, I teach this here, I teach this at a, at a pastor's conference or at a men's fellowship. If men just did this right here, bring up children in the training and instruction of the Lord, you'd have a whole generation of young people coming up for the Lord. It would make for better husbands because those young men would come up knowing what the training and instruction of the Lord was. It would make for better wives, because them young girls would come up knowing what the training knowing the training and instruction of the Lord. It would make for a better society, better community. It would make, if me, just this, just this. Fathers, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That, that not being done, God be like, just that one thing right there. Just that one thing right there, not being done, is causing many, many problems in our generation. So, but that's another sermon. Some of y'all are like, well, oh man, apostle, I ain't never seen it like that before. I know that's that's why that's why God has to open our eyes, because the word be right here in front of us. But until God open our eyes, we just be blind to a thing. When God hit me with that, I was like, what? 
I told all the saints right here, I said, look, no more, no more little daycare. Don't be taking children. No more little daycare. I'm in full-time ministry. I said, bring the children to me. Bring the children to me. First thing in the morning, drop them off right here at the church. Teach them how to read, read scripture, remember scripture, all kind of thing. And the difference is, see, see, whereas they won't whoop your child's little hind part in the in the uh, school system. Oh, I tear it up around here. It's the church. Our our principal is uh, Jesus Christ. And well, look at the development. Look how the young people developed. Look how the young people stayed out of trouble. Look how the young people prospered and and went and did well. Fathers have to do this. You are done under the sound of my voice. You're a man. You, 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 you're a, a father. You have a responsibility. Bring up children and train in the instruction of the Lord. Uh, watch this now. A father in the family has a responsibility very similar to a pastor in the church. Very similar. Pastor has a responsibility in the church to feed the flock, to feed multiple families, to feed multiple individuals with the word of God. Well, a father in the family has that same responsibility because father is supposed to be washing his wife. You go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, verse 26, husband's supposed to be making his wife holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. See, so so a husband is supposed to provide a word, words from God for his wife. Then you come on down here a little bit further, and you see that fathers are supposed to be bringing up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Some of the same responsibilities as a pastor. You say, Apostle, what you say, what you got now? You got a husband out there, and he is not washing you with the word of God. I'm telling you something. You made the wrong choice. If you're a woman of God, and that husband is not washing you, he doesn't have a word for God from you. He can't tell you nothing God has said. He can't share no revelation, no encouragement, nothing from all criticism and all that. Then you made the wrong choice. I'm tell you to your face. Husbands, fathers have a responsibility. Husband has a responsibility, much like pastor. Father has a responsibility, much like pastor. To provide you. Husband is supposed to provide you with the word of God. Don't make no difference how much money the joker make. Don't make no difference how tall, dark, and handsome the joker is. Doesn't make any difference how good the joker is in bed. If he is not, does not have a word from God for you, then you just, you done just got yourself bamboozled. You done got yourself tricked by the devil. He's supposed to be washing you, women, with the word of God. He's supposed to be bringing up those children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And if he's not, cannot, or will not, he's going to be in trouble with God, and the marriage or the, the, the family is going to suffer. Come on, saints. This wasn't even part of the message, but the Lord took me there. All right, so we're talking about dangerous, dangerous sheep, sheep with armor. So Paul writes this to the saints in Ephesus. Then he comes on down here and says, look, Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord. Now, understand that is a command. Being strong in the Lord is a command. You say, Apostle, what's driving that? If you are weak in the Lord, you have already you are already disobeying God. Be strong in the Lord. This is a command. We are to be strong in our prayer life, strong in the word of God, strong in our study, strong, strong, strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, we're talking about being dangerous sheep. When you're strong in the Lord, when you're strong in his mighty power, you become a dangerous sheep. Now, come on now. The Lord is flashing in my spirit now. Do you know how the female sheep decide the female bighorn sheep decide what, what man they're going to be with or what male sheep they're going to be with? Well, what happens, those, those two males will butt heads. Pow! Pow! The rams. One of the saints won't keep calling them rams. They, they butt heads. Bam! Wow! They say you can hear the sound of those horns hitting for miles. Bam! Bam! And the one that is stronger, <laughs> the one that backs the other one down, he gets to go off with the woman. 
he get to go off with the with the female sheep. One that's stronger. So even even female sheep understand what's going on. The strong one. I want the strong one. I want to reproduce with the strong one. Well, God is telling us be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now we 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 have imagery here. God will often give us imagery in scripture. You know, just like a, a soldier puts on his armor. You know, I used to coach football. My football players would put on helmets and shoulder pads, which was just kind of an armor. We have an imagery here that as children of God, we have some things that we need to put on in order to be effective in our walk with God. Put on the full armor of God. And God, I don't know why he's flashing virus protection in my, in my, in my spirit. You know, I went to turn the computer on earlier today. I was going to get prepared for the broadcast, and it was taking a long time and different things. One of the saints asked me, said, you know, have you got a virus protection on this thing? Virus protection is almost like an armor for your computer. What armor does is it keeps a lot of stuff out that you don't want out. You got a helmet on that keeps stuff from busting you in your head, from hurting your head. You got a breastplate on that keeps somebody from sticking a knife in your in your in your chest. You got your feet shod with the, with shod with something that'll keep somebody from chopping your toes off. So armor. We're talking about divine protection from God. Some of you all out there on the sound of my voice, you're about to lose your mind because you won't put on the armor, you won't put on the helmet of salvation. So the adversary, whatever, listen, whatever part of you that you won't put on the armor of God on like you're supposed to, that's where the adversary is going to get the victory in your life. Whatever part of you that you won't put the armor of God on like you're supposed to, that's where the adversary is going to attack, and that's where he's going to get victory. He'd be attacking all kind of places, whether you got armor on or not. But those places where you don't have the armor of God on properly, you don't have that helmet of salvation on like you're supposed to. Adversary put some stuff in your mind, you'd be wondering what in the world, where in the world that come from. You mess around don't have on the breastplate of righteousness like you're supposed to. Man, adversary have all kind of crazy stuff in your heart to be doing. Mess around, don't have your, your loins girt about with truth. Man, adversary have all kind of lie. He's going to attack. He's attacking all of us all kind of ways anyway. But them places where we don't have the armor on just right. Oh, sometimes my players, when I coached football years ago, they wanted to go out and practice. Man, coach, I left my cup back at house. Well, son, you can't practice, man. Because just as soon as you run right out there without no cup, you're going to get yourself hit right in the private parts. Just as you got your private parts all exposed out here playing football, son, you sit down somewhere. Or go get a cup from somewhere. Oh, man, coach, I left my thigh pads, man. Can I still practice? No, what you mean practice? So you get hit in the thigh? And I end up in the courtroom, get sued for being crazy enough to let you practice without thigh pads? No, you need your thigh pads. You need your knee pads. You need your cup. You need your helmet. Oh, coach, you ain't got no mouthpiece. Can I practice? Why? So you can run right out there and get hit right in the mouth and knock your teeth knocked out and your parents want to sue me? No. Son, go get your mouthpiece. Put on the what? Full armor. Because that that you do not have covered with the armor of God is exposed to the devil. And he will attack it. Don't you know the adversary know when you haven't put something on? Don't you know an opponent playing football? Don't you know he can see if you don't have a mouthpiece in? He can see that. He can look at you. Don't you know your opponent can look at you and see that you don't have thigh pads in your, in your pants? See that? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. God said, look. You can't stand against the devil's schemes without the armor of God, without the full armor of God. You can't do it. Some of you all out there on the sound of my voice, you are just deceived enough by the adversary to think you can handle the adversary without God. Just deceived enough. <laughs> adversary love people like that. I mean, don't love you, but he love tormenting and, 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 and messing with you. You think you can handle that? You think you can handle Satan? Without, God didn't even try to handle Satan without without being without God. 
and without the word of God. Jesus didn't even try that. Forty days and forty nights, Satan came. Jesus didn't even try anything other than the power of God to deal with Satan. And you think you're going to deal with Satan without the power of God? You are badly mistaken and you are deceived and you are in for a very rude awakening. Look at what God is the one telling us here. We need to put on the full armor of God. Don't even, God said, look, don't even be messing with the devil without the full armor of God. Don't even be messing with the devil with partial armor of God. Put on the what? Full armor. God said, you may, hold up, hold up. God said, God said look, I made, I, made, I made Satan. Made him as Lucifer. Now, when he went buck wild, he became, I, God said, I made him. So I know what kind of power. And authority he's running around with. You don't need to be trying to deal with that without the full armor of God. You don't need to be trying. You don't need to be trying to deal with that now. My spirit goes to uh, a friend of mine, not too far from you, sister, and you know who I'm talking about. Uh, years ago, when we were playing uh, basketball, you know, I was coaching high school basketball. And, you know, I was on a team, a traveling team, friends of mine. We would travel all over the, all over the country playing three-on-three. Three. And one night, we were sitting at one of the local gymnasiums watching a basketball game, my three-on-three three guys that, were, that played ball with me, and about three or four of my high school guys that played for me. And we were sitting in the gym watching the game, and, and somehow – you know, my team was my team. My guys were doing very, very well. I think they were about maybe about twenty five and about one at the time or something. And you know, hadn't lost with one game, ranked number two in the state. They were killing people, going to work. My three on three team, the guys out playing with, we were one of the top teams in the world. We had just been to the world championship and different things. And somehow, I'm sitting in the middle. My three on three guys that I played with on the right, my high school guys are sitting on the left. Somehow an argument breaks out as to who was better. I'm sitting in the middle. My three-on-three guys like, man, you young boys, you young boys, we'll beat y'all to death. My high school guys like, you old men, you can't keep up. And I'm sitting in the middle looking just as stupid as I can possibly be looking. All of a sudden, it's late at night. It's about 8, 9 o'clock at night, dark outside. All of a sudden... The thing got heated in there. I was like, oh, my God, this thing turned this up. And both sides were like, well, we can do this thing right now. I said, oh, my God. Three on three guys, one of my guys was like, B, come on, man. We got to show these young boys. My, the, my, my high school players was like, man, coach, man, we're, we're, I said, oh, my God. So we leave the gymnasium. We find a basketball court out in the night. And one of my three-on-three -three players was like, man, B, let's go ahead on and whoop these young boys, man. Let's beat these young boys to death. And I, and I told him, i never forget what I told him. I said, look, man, I said, I trained these boys. Don't jump out here thinking you are just playing against regular boys. I trained these boys. I, me, I, I'm, man, B, we'll beat I said, look, you're not listening to me. I trained these boys. Well. Jumped out there, and uh, at first, my guys weren't taking seriously that these guys could play. Man, they jumped out there. First game, we won. I didn't blow them out and didn't beat them very seriously, but we won. Second game, one of our players that very rarely plays decide he wants to play, and he won't gonna come out the game. Well. They beat us. Third game, we got that player out, and score was tied. A call was made. Neither side wanted to give up the call, and we had to leave with it being a draw. You say, Apostle, what is the parable here? My guys underestimated these young guys. Some of us in Christian faith, we underestimate the devil. God does not want us to underestimate the devil. Now, God does not want us to be intimidated by him, but he does not want us to underestimate him either. You know, my, guy, my, my thing was to my three-on-three -three guys, I said, look, man, I ain't saying we're going to be intimidated by these young boys, but I'm saying, 
look, don't be underestimate these young boys. I trained them. I know what's in them. I know what they go through every day for two and three hours. I'm not even going through every day for two and three hours what my boys are going through every day because I'm not playing for me. They playing for me. Nah, nah, B, beat these young boys, man. man. <laughs> okay. Okay, now. Let us not underestimate the devil's schemes. Bible says that God wants us prepared so we can stand against the devil's scheme. Because you mess around, watch this now. You underestimate the devil's schemes, and you're going to be in trouble. Or if you are intimidated by the devil's schemes, you're going to be in trouble. You want to, you want to view the devil's schemes with the proper, with a, a sober judgment. How, how do we view the devil's schemes? I understand it. The only way I can deal with the devil's schemes is with the full armor of God. I ain't trying to deal with the devil's schemes on my own. I'm not trying to deal with the devil's scheme with my own intellect. I'm not trying to deal with it. I'm not playing around with it with, with the full armor of God. That's the proper way to deal with and to get the victory over the devil's schemes. Paul said, look. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil or spiritual wickedness in heavenly realms. You say, Apostle, what you're trying to get us to understand, that your fight is in an unseen realm. Who ever seen a thought? But yet you got some people in the mental institution right now because of thoughts that they, they couldn't get the victory over. Whoever seen a demon? But yet God is telling us that this is where the fight is. It's in the unseen realm. So you need to understand that just as that what is coming against you is in the unseen realm, what God is giving you to fight with is in the seen realm. What, because God said, look, What's coming against you is in the unseen realm. Rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual wickedness in high places. But God says, I've given you a weapon in the seen realm. You say, Apostle, what are you talking about? God's word is in the seen realm. You can see it. I can look right down here and see God's word. It's written. This is our weapon. God has given us a weapon, his word, to counteract, to come against to wage war against the craziness that the devil be talking about. See, you trying to come against the craziness the devil talk about with your own intellect, with your own little thoughts, with your own little, uh-uh, uh-uh. You come against the craziness, the insanity and the madness of Satan with the word of God. You say, Apostle, what's that mean? Make it, make it plain for us. Make it practical for us. All right, let me take these shoes off because I'm getting into this preaching now. The adversary bring. A crazy thought to your mind, a crazy uh, plan in your heart, a crazy, you got to come against that with the word. You got to, re you got to know and remember what the word of God says and hit that craziness that he has brought to your mind with the word. David said it, or one, of the, one of the writers said it like this, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. God's word is a protection. It's a protection. As a parent, you wouldn't send your children out normally to spend all day at the beach in the sun without some sunscreen on. Come on now. You know, most of us, you know. Why? Because the sun's rays can be very damaging to the skin, but the sunscreen will give us protection. Well, so it is when it comes down. Some of us as parents, some of us as parents, you know, uh, oh, some of pastors, elders, overseers, you're sending God's people out without the proper protection. You say, Apostle, what you're driving at. Part of the reason why I'm preaching and teaching this word to you all on a daily and nightly basis is so that you will have more protection against the wiles of the devil. God's word will help protect you from the wiles of the devil. 
Well, now, if you only take, if you take sunscreen, let God say, take them back to the earthly example. You take just a dot of sunscreen. You just put a little bit on your finger, and that's it. You leave the rest of your body unprotected. Man, that sun going to burn you up. You at the beach all day. You're just going to put a little sunscreen right on the tip of your finger, and that's it. Well, see, you're going to get yourself burned up. Why? Because you're not getting enough of it, and you're not getting enough of it all over your body. But you take somebody else, and see, that's how some of you out there understand my voice. You want to get the word. You just want to get a dot of the word, and you think you're going to be protected from the devil. You just want to get a little dot of the word on the tip of your finger, and you think you're going to be protected from the wiles of the devil. But you take somebody else that take that sunscreen, man, they get it, pour it, squeeze it out of the tube all on their hand. They rubbing their arms, man. They rubbing their chest. They got somebody rubbing it on their back. They rubbing it all over their head, all over the bottom of their feet. See, now when the sun try to get them, they're going to be what? Protected. They're going to be protected because they got a plenty. Well, that's what we want to do with the word. That's what we want to do with the word. We want to get ourselves submersed, engrossed, dipped, dunked, battered with the word. We want the word on the inside. We want the word on the outside. We want the word all in our mind. We want the word all in our heart. We want the word. We want the word. The word. That thy word, because it gives us more protection. Against these rulers, these authorities, these powers of this dark world, these spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realm. So put on the full armor of God, just like you want to put on the full sunscreen. You don't want to put on a partial port of sunscreen or just put sunscreen on your hands. Well, that's leaving everything else out. God is telling us put on the full armor of God. Why? So you can be a dangerous sheep. You can be a dangerous sheep. When you are armored up properly. Most times when a character, when something is armored up very, very well, people don't mess with that any kind of way. Most things. You got characters a whole lot of times much rather try to go in and rob a 7-Eleven or rob a convenience store than to go in and try to steal a Brinks truck. Why? Brinks truck all armored all up. 7-Eleven a lot of times be all unprotected. You know? Or it doesn't have as much protection as the Brink truck. So, so understand that being armored up, being armored up very, very well can be a deterrent. In other words, a whole lot of, a lot of individuals are not going to want to just mess with you any kind of way when you are armored up very well. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, God doesn't say if the day of evil comes. You need, so you say, Apostle, what you got in that? You need to understand that the day of evil, child of God, is coming in your life. Well, you say, Apostle, what is the day of evil? The day of evil is the day where God allows Satan to do more damage in your life to do more damage in your marriage, to do more damage in your family. I mean, a lot of, and see, the thing is, a lot of times you all, that's when you want to contact pastor, when that day of evil done come. Pastor been trying to prepare you. Pastor been trying to warn you. Pastor been trying to get you ready. You'll be like, ah. Then when that day of evil come, now all of a sudden you want to contact pastor. And, and, and that's, that's natural. That's normal. But the, the point is that we want to be preparing since God has let us to know that the day of evil, when the day of evil comes, that there's going to be a day in your life much like Job where God is going to allow Satan to do a whole lot more stuff. There's going to be a day in your life, parents, when God is going to allow Satan to do a whole lot of stuff to your children. There's going to be a day in your life, a wife, when God is going to allow Satan to do a whole lot of stuff to your husband. A day in your life, a husband, when God is going to allow Satan to do a whole lot of stuff to your wife. When the day of evil comes. God is saying, be ready for it. All God is saying, be ready. God didn't say if. When? Now, if you don't take the time or you don't take preparation or you don't take the, the reality that the day of evil is going to come seriously, then when the day of evil comes, see, now there you go. Now there you go, all twisted up, bent out of shape. Didn't know that was coming, did you? God did, and he had a prophet somewhere that knew. Because God does nothing without first revealing his plan to his servants a prophet. Listen, if, if, I, if, if I want a prophet, 
if I want a profit and know like I know now, man, I'd be trying to get as close to a profit as I possibly could. That's when I, before I realized I had to give a prophecy and I knew my grandfather did, when I realized that he had to give the prophecy, man, I tried to get as close, man, I tried to stay as close to my grandfather as I possibly could. Why? What was he doing? Letting me know all kind of stuff that was coming. Letting me know because God does nothing without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Grandpa used to tell me all kind of stuff, stuff in 1980, come to pass in 2000. He'd be telling me all kind of stuff. But you want to try to be as far from the prophet as you possibly can. So now a whole lot of stuff in life be shocking you. A whole lot of stuff in life be catching you all off guard. See, you didn't know that was going to happen with them jokers. Prophet did. Prophet could have told you. You didn't know you were going to get that job. Prophet did. Prophet could have told you. You didn't know you were going to lose that job. Prophet did. <laughs> prophet could have told you. <laughs> God does nothing. God, the, 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 surely the scripture says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Surely. God be knowing because God already know everything past, present and future. And what he will do with his prophets is he will give them. Not that we prophesy fully. The Bible said we prophesy in part and we know in part. Not that we're going to know everything, but God going to give us the heads up on stuff. You let me see you real good. I'll, I'll get some here. Just let me see you. Just come into my presence. That's why a lot of folk won't come in my presence, because I'm oh, God going to give me a heads up on you. There's folk going to come into my presence. God done told me he's getting ready to die two weeks later. Boom. Folk going to come into my presence. God be like, I'm getting ready to, he's getting ready to be locked up to, uh, uh, later on that day. Get locked up. Just come, in, come in my presence if you want to. Just come. Let me, let me just see you. God going to tell me something. What I'm doing right now, children of God around the world, been in 20-plus countries the last three years, woman of God, I just went to a house. Just went to a house. I was about 17 years old. Woman of God looked at me and told me the very thing I'm doing now, some 30-some years later. Just looked at me. Looked up to heaven. Uh, okay, okay. And told me the very things I'm doing today. If she was alive today, I'd, I'd kiss her on her forehead. And tell her some money. But she's going on to be with the Lord. So, God already know everything and he be telling a lot of stuff he be telling stuff to his prophets you say apostle what's driving that? that day of evil it's gonna come in your life it's gonna come in my life there's no way to avoid it that's when the day of evil so god said look i'm telling you about getting ready i'm telling you about preparing yourself so that when it comes you won't be there looking stupid you'll be able to take your stand and after you have done everything to stand, stand some more. Look at verse 14. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted or shod with the preparation or the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, now watch this now, and this we're going to close out on these last little two here. To all of this, take up the shield of faith. Now, you think about all those parts, all of those pieces of armor, they're meant for protection. Helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace, breastplate of righteousness. But the shield, see, the shield of faith. So you say, Apostle, what you got now? Understand that your faith is a weapon. Your faith is not only a part of your armor, it is also a weapon. Everything here that is a part of your armor can also be as a weapon. We're talking about dangerous sheep. So your faith can be a weapon. How? Adversary come to you, be telling you, oh, the Lord ain't real. God ain't, you not saved. Oh, you know, all kind of nonsense. Your faith will say nonsense. Your faith will say that's nonsense. Your faith will say nonsense. Your faith will be able to put that mess out. But you got to take up the shield of faith. Now, what Roman soldiers used to do is they'd have leather shields. And, and sometimes these ancient soldiers, they would have leather shields and they would dip them in water so that when the enemy shot fiery arrows, it would hit those shields soaked in water and arrows would go out. Your faith needs to be, it needs to be of, of a magnitude that when the fiery arrows of the evil one come and try to tell you something crazy or tell you something that, that, that put that mess out. 
put that mess out. Shield of faith, watch this, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Well, how? How would they extinguish the flaming arrows? Because they would dip the shields in water. Those leather shields would be dipped in water. So that when the enemy shot flaming arrows and hit the shield, that's what that's that's the noise that some of you all need to be making when Satan be bringing some crazy stuff to your mind. Your faith need to make make that sizzle that right on out. Sizzle that right on out. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is a part of your armor and it is also a part of your weaponry. Because that sword of the spirit can be used for defense and a sword can be used for offense. Sword can be used for defense. Mess around. If you, you can get good enough with a sword, I've seen it on TV and different things. Joker shoot an arrow at you. People that are good enough with a sword can knock the arrow down out the air. That's defense. But then take that same sword and run and go cut it and, and stick it right through it to cut it right, cut a joker in half. That's offense. In sports, a lot of times, things that can be used for defense, skills that are used in defense, are also used in offense. In your spiritual warfare, these items that are, most of them use, the armor of God used for defense, they can also be used for offense. They can also be used to do damage to your opponent or to your adversary. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we see here an instruction by Apostle Paul. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, when you're talking about praying in the spirit, you know, there's two ways primarily that we're going to pray in the spirit. You know, we're going to pray where our mind is fruitful and we're going to pray where our mind is unfruitful. Praying where our mind is fruitful. Now, I just finished sharing this, you know, uh, uh, with one congregation down in Nigeria. We taught on the five things that, that can be done in an unknown tongue. You can pray in the spirit or you can pray with your mind. You know, Father, I'm praying right now for all of your people in the four corners. I'm praying, praying with my mind. But if I'm he shall out of the mood, na 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 shall out of he now I'm praying with my spirit. When I'm praying with my spirit, my mind don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm asking for God for. That's my spirit talking to God. My, so my mind can talk to God, or my soul can talk to God, and then my spirit can talk to God. When my mind talks to God, I know exactly what I'm saying. I know exactly what I'm asking God for. I know exactly what I'm requesting. But when my spirit talks to God, I don't know what I'm asking. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm requesting. You can sing with your mind and you can sing with your spirit. God is so good. Sing it with my mind. He shall light up more than I shall light it up. Sing it with my spirit. I don't know what I'm singing. I'm singing something to God. So we can, we can pray with our mind. We can pray with our spirit. We can, we can prophesy with our mind. We can prophesy with our spirit. We can praise God with our mind. We can praise God with our spirit. We can sing with our mind. We can sing with our spirit. And then, you know, then there's, of course, the gift of speaking in tongues. That's a whole other thing. See? Oh, the gift of speaking in tongues. I haven't even seen that yet. I've been in churches all over the world. He shall not more than You praying or you praising God or you may be prophesying even. But I haven't seen the gift. I have never seen the gift of, of, of tongues. The gift of tongues, see, the gift of tongues is when you bust out and start speaking another language, another man-made language that you have never studied before, and now all of a sudden God has given you the ability to speak a man-made language. All the other four things that you can do in an unknown tongue, whether you're singing, whether you're praying, whether you're prophesying, whether you're praising God, those are all heavenly languages. All of that's your spirit. But the gift of tongues, what the apostles manifested on the day of Pentecost, I haven't seen that nowhere I've been in the world. Well, all of a sudden, you have never studied Swahili, and you just bust out and start preaching in Swahili. You've never studied 
uh, uh, Latin, and all of a sudden you just bust out and start preaching in Latin. I haven't seen that gift in operation. And that is the gift of tongues, my brother and my sister. And that's why Paul asked the congregation, he said, are all apostles? The answer is no. Everybody's not an apostle. Do all speak in tongues? The answer is no. Everybody don't, everybody don't speak in tongues. Not with the gift of tongues. Now, you can pray in tongues or you can you can uh, prophesy in tongues or you might be able to, you know, um, give praise, all that. But the gift of tongues, I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Not me. Not yet. Would love to see it. Would love to see it. So, praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. What does that mean? That means that there are different kinds of prayers. There are different kinds of prayers. Okay? And requests. There are different kinds of requests to God. With this in mind, watch what the Bible says. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, that is a responsibility, and that is we are instructed to do that, to pray for one another. Because the reality is every one of us is going through something. Now, what you may be going through is going to be different from what I'm going through. It's going to be different from what he or she is going through. But all of us as children of God, as saints, are going through something. We have to continue praying for one another. Dangerous sheep. All this is. So we understand that sheep can have armor. You know, and what God is flashing in my spirit is that even bighorn sheep, those bighorns, they're not only offensive devices. But those big 33-inch horns, they're also defensive. Because if uh, uh, another bighorn sheep was to ram the other bighorn sheep on the side or on the leg, they would break all their ribs or they would break their legs. But because those sheep, you know, they're they not trying to kill one another. They're just trying to basically kind of punk one another or find out who's going to be the way. They hit one another in the horns. His horn is hitting my horn. And that's really the only part of a bighorn sheep that can stand that massive blow. We couldn't stand it. There's no part of our body that could stand the blow of a bighorn sheep. It'd break any bone it hit in us, even our skull, which is the strongest bone in our body. It, it, it's got to crack our skull 60 times over. So those, even those bighorn sheep, they understand we hit each other in the horns because the horns is the only part of us that can give this kind of a blow. And the horns is the only part of us that can take this kind of a blow. If we hit each other anywhere else, we 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 cripple one another, and we ain't trying. We're not trying to do that. Dangerous sheep. The Lord bless you, children of God, and heaven smile on you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray again. We thank you, Father, for your revelation, your inspiration, your wisdom, knowledge. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We pray, Father, that as we leave this place of worship, you will continue to walk with us, continue to speak to us, lead and guide us. Forgive us of our sins and iniquities, our debts and our transgressions. We bless your name today, Father. We pray that you have been pleased with the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart. We pray that they have been acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our strength, and our Redeemer. Father, we pray that your word today has convicted and converted someone somewhere in the four corners of the earth and that you will add to the number daily such as would be saved. Again, we thank you. We reverence you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen and amen. Question number one, give me five pieces of the armor of God. Five pieces of the armor of God. Number two. Yeah. All right. What can happen? What happens to things even when they, what happens to things when they are armored? Let's say it like that. What happens to things when they are armored? And number three, question number three, explain what the day of evil is all about. Explain what the day of of evil is all about. Thanks. You can reach us through email at the Christian Center Church at gmail.com. Check our website www.rchurch.com backslash member backslash t backslash tccc. 
feel free to join us on TalkShoe, Spreecast, YouTube, and iTunes at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. daily. On TalkShoe, call 724-444-7444, enter ID 17959. On Spreecast, type in Robert Bryan on YouTube and the Christian Center Church channel. You can see excerpts of Apostle Robert Bryan on YouTube. Donations should be sent by using the donation button on the church website or our TalkShoe homepage. God bless you and heaven smile on you. In Jesus' name, amen.